Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura, and welcome to a jam-packed episode. Um, a lot has happened. Namely, I think we're going to start off with NHL free agency, because there is a lot of ground to cover there. Um, free agency started on Friday, and a little tidbit, normally free agency is on Canada Day, which is July 1st, and normally like everything happens July 1st and you kind of don't want to be the last person to get signed. Like the only people, there's only a few people who ever like stragglers this year, it kind of spread out a little bit and it took a little time for dominoes to fall. And it's just because of the financial situation teams are in and players trying to feel out like what kind of deals they can get. So um, for (laughs) our co-host of the show, we start with the star stuff. They re-signed, I think the biggest news for the Stars is that they re-signed Anton Anton Hidobin to three years, 3.33 mil. And the great thing about that is with Ben Bishop, who's had kind of injury struggles throughout his career, one, you're limiting the miles that you put on Ben Bishop, but then also, should he get hurt, you have a really capable backup who can step into starter he's not even really like we talked about he's a 1b and so him being a starter is a very easy transition yeah I was so happy for this because like the day before it was like oh he's talked with the stars but he's gonna look at other options and I was like oh god not other options because like based on how he played in the playoffs it like I was fearful I'm like someone's gonna want him more and someone's gonna just take him away from us and I'm so glad he wanted to stay with Dallas well and especially when you consider like after after we talk about the stars we're going to talk about the gigantic goalie carousel that happened yeah like everything was moving all the goalies were moving everywhere and then it's like Hidobin is like nope staying put and that's really (laughs) good news for the stars fans the other one was Radic Fox that signed a five-year, $3.25 million deal. That seems like very fair value, maybe a little less um, yeah. just because of the corona thing, but it doesn't seem like a wild under or overpay. No, um, I just really need them to like get Rope and Kirianov, like, and of course it's them too. I'm like, of course it's and those course, two. Like that, because it's those two, you're going to get all of the offer sheet talk. But if you look yes. at how much cap space and you got to remember for offer sheets, you have to have cap space and the required compensatory draft picks. Both of those things, like possessing both of those things, most teams don't have that. So there's like very few yeah. teams who could legitimately make an offer sheet. So not saying it won't happen, but if I had to bet money, I'd bet money on it not happening. Yeah. Sean Shapiro told us that we shouldn't worry. So I'm trying to feel calm, but still there's part of me. I'm like, but should I worry? Because I basically worried about those two during the entire season. And I thought I'd get a break from that. Um, so I guess I kind of teased we would talk about the goalie carousel. I'm kind of going to just run through all of them and then I'll give you an overall thoughts because a lot happened with goalies. The goaltending situation in the NHL looks nothing like it did last season. So we've got longtime Capitals goalie Braden Holtby signed with the Vancouver Canucks for two years and $4.3 million. And then continuing on, former Vancouver Canucks goalie, um, Jacob Markstrom, 
signed with the Calgary Flames for six years, $6 million. Former Calgary Flames goalie Cam Talbot signed with the Minnesota Wild uh, three years, $3.67 million. And after we have that like roundabout full circle kind of thing, we're also going to talk about Henrik Lundqvist has a one-year deal with the Capitals and Matt Murray has a four-year $6.25 million deal with the Senators after being traded there by the Penguins. Can I just say as a Penguins fan, still don't love the trade. I think you could have got more from Murray, but if that's the contract that he was going to get, um, really happy. It's not with my team. I love him. Not worth that money. So really good with that. Really okay with that. Um, I really, the one I like is Markstrom to the flames because Markstrom has been amazing for the flames this past year and uh, prior and the flames have better defense for than Vancouver did. And mm-hmm. they've had struggled to find like a consistent number one goalie. And so to shore up that problem. So it's not a thing because that's what happened for the stars for a while when it was that car, Carrie Letkinen and stuff and anti Ranta, it was like the stars have so many good players, but they just like, can't figure out goaltending. And then they signed yeah. Ben Bishop and Anton Hedobin. And how amazing is it? to just not have to worry about that. And so I think, and for $6 million, that's not like a ton of money for what you're getting, a proven goalie. So I like that. I like I like bringing Holtby to the Canucks because um, clearly the thought would be Thatcher Demko is your starter. Um, so that makes sense to me. And Braden Holtby is a really capable, really good backup. He's been mm-hmm. a starter his whole career. He's played for Team Canada. Like, I think that's a really good and older vet with younger player. That makes sense. Lundqvist to the Capitals is a bit of a surprise. But again, he's, he was really good last year. They just had two really, other really good goalies for New York. So that's interesting. Cam Talbot with the Wild. Cam Talbot is a very meh goalie. But I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't think the Wild are trying to be amazing at least from yeah. the news they're making, I don't think they are. So it is he seems fine. Corey Crawford with the New Jersey Devils. That is fascinating to me because the Devils had Mackenzie Blackwood, who like was in legitimate Calder consideration. Really, really good goaltending. Now, the rest of their team, they kind of tanked last year and sold off some stuff. So I don't really know that they have a ton built around them so and it's only a two-year deal but it's still interesting and goaltending can do some crazy things so I would expect the Devils to be better and that's like your quick rundown I don't know if you have any (laughs) goaltending thoughts but that's the uh no I was just trying to keep up with who went where the whole time it it is like you can do because it's like like they they kind of pass the baton to different teams and it's all like traded around musical chair style or something I don't know it was very random but then I guess um the next big thing so there were the two biggest dominoes and they just recently fell were Taylor Hall and Alex Petrangelo those were your like number one and two free agents and um Taylor Hall I think was yes for Sunday I think was announced he's going to Buffalo and I love this move for both Buffalo and for Taylor Hall I think it's genius so it's a one-year eight million dollar contract and the thing from Buffalo's perspective is Buffalo it hasn't been trying to tank for all the years that they've been tanking so 
being better like would benefit them to be a little better but if worst case scenario if they're not any better one year like an upcoming free agent taylor hall you could get a ton for him at a trade deadline like a ton and he's a pending ufa and you're not really committing that much one year like that's nothing and so i think for for them it's really good and for taylor hall who's looking for a payday it's hard to get a payday off of coronavirus season so i think it's good to like and the devils were so tragic so i think playing with jack eichel because he's a winger i would almost bet that he would be with jack eichel jack eichel can get him a ton of points and then get him a better contract so i think that makes a ton of sense for both involved i don't know how good the sabers are going to be because they still have quite a few holes and they still have a goaltending issue which is amazing all of the goaltending stuff that happened and i don't yeah so um any thoughts on taylor hall or have do you know much about taylor hall i mean i i know he was like one of the like top players that teams seem to want but like is he as good as like the hype makes it seem because from what I've seen I feel like he isn't but I don't pay that much attention to him so he won the MVP three years ago two years ago and that obviously skyrocketed his value the thing with Taylor Hall he is very famously like teams that he's been on have won the draft lottery like six out of ten years or something insane like that (laughs) and um not exactly like a winning formula and so he's been on a lot of bad teams he himself not a bad player but then like Edmonton traded him for like peanuts which was embarrassing um and yeah so that was a haul for Larson it's a famous it's where it was one for one became famous because everyone was like okay what are what are the Oilers getting besides Adam Larson who's like not even a second pairing defenseman right now and so yeah really bad trade there and then New Jersey was not good but and that's why it's interesting you signed with Buffalo because they're not exactly haven't been great so but I think he himself is a really elite player and it's hard to find a winger who impacts the game quite like Taylor Hall does it's like on the um, Patrick Kane level of impacting a game so that would be interesting the other big one that just broke right as we were going um live on to record this is um uh alex petrangelo who was the ufa from the blues in the captain of the blues signed with vegas he signed a max contract so it's seven years 8.8 million dollars now that news came out but it wasn't actually official because they had to move salary in order to sign him and be cap compliant and so they traded nate schmidt who was like a legitimate first second pairing defenseman like really good defensive defenseman puck mover not just defensive though like he can move the puck really well all of that for a third round pick and my whole thing is I get it you were never gonna get like the real value for him is something really good like like you could probably make the argument depending on the contract that you sign um like group a hints to that Mm -hmm. maybe like 
Schmidt plus a third for hints or something like that, that would be fair value. Schmidt has a lot of value. Point being, Schmidt has a lot of value. Third round pick is not a lot of value. And so while I don't think they were ever going to, clearly they weren't ever going to get their full full value for him. I just, there wasn't any team out there that would offer more than a third. And because he has term too. That's the thing that's amazing is he has term left on his contract and it's like $5.9 million. So it's super reasonable. I'm like, you couldn't find anyone. Yeah. $5.95 million. And he has another five seasons on it. Like that is great. And no one would, it, it just, it's weird to me. Uh, and maybe they were just like, it was last minute. So yeah. they just kind of took the one that they could find, but like teams who would have the cap space to absorb that Colorado avalanche, but they still have some free agents to sign. So I don't necessarily blame them. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York Islanders, Boston Bruins, Florida Panthers, Kings, Blue Jackets, Sabres, Predators, Rangers, Devils, Detroit and Ottawa, I wouldn't expect to take it, but there, there are some teams in there that legitimately could make it. And then there's a bunch that are really close to being able to afford it. Um, Carolina, Chicago, Philly, Calgary, and Dallas, actually. Dallas actually has the space to take it, but obviously they have their free agents. But uh, Carolina, Chicago, Philly, and Dally. Dallas, not Dallas, Calgary. <laughs> Sorry, I can't read. So Carolina, Chicago, Philly, and uh, Calgary all have like over five million dollars in cap space Uh you can easily create 900 grand in cap space or less and so all of those teams should have been willing to offer a second like or like a third and a sixth or something like yeah a third is nothing so that's the one thing that's amazing about that that said from vegas's perspective they're really in win now mode and if you can get alex petrangelo you get alex petrangelo um it's really interesting though because the thing that he wasn't happy about this year was um he wasn't on their first power play and he's going to a team where he wouldn't be on their first power play necessarily because a lot of people think they're going to keep Shea Theodore there so that's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting I find uh the GM of St. Louis he makes some interesting decisions like I don't really I'm not sure what he's going for here and that's it's like with his defense because he signed the the big one was the trade and sign of Justin Falk because Justin Falk he signed to a long-term deal for six and a half million dollars and he's just not worth that and that pretty much made people think well there's no way you can afford Petrangelo then there's a flat cap then they sign Tory Krug to six and a half million dollars and I like Tori Krug, but I would have liked Petrangelo and Krug, or there was a cheaper defenseman than Tori Krug, and then you still sign Petrangelo. Petrangelo, I like more than either of those two or the combined of those two. So I just, I don't really understand what they're going for and what they're doing. And Petrangelo married someone from St. Louis. So by all accounts, I think he would have taken this same deal in yeah. St. Louis. So I just... I don't get it for St. Louis, but I think from your perspective, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> I will miss like his, him and uh, Jamie Ben and their petty interactions. Well, hey, now he's on Jordy's team. <laughs> uh, 
or no, no, Nate Schmidt's on Jordy's team. Sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, the next one that was kind of interesting, it was it was an older trade, but in, again, where people were like, what the heck? Josh Anderson yeah. to Montreal for Max Domi and a third. People were puzzled about that because Josh Anderson has had to battle a lot of injuries mm-hmm. and most people would consider Max Domi the more talented player. So why did Montreal have to throw in a third? And I thought I listened to Steve Dangle talk about it and I thought he made a really good point. For so long, the market inefficiency was like skill and speed. And so that became the really priced thing. Well, now that's what everyone tries to build their team around is skill and speed. And there really aren't that many like mean people who can play hockey, like the Kachucks and Josh Anderson fits that bill. Like Tom Wilson, I don't like him, but he's another one. There aren't many of those. The fact that I can just name, I just named you probably the four main ones in the NHL right then and there tells you something. So you want someone with skill who like teams don't like to play against and Josh Anderson really fits that. It's all about his health, but if if he is healthy, seven years at five and a half million dollars, which is extension, is not bad, and that really has some value. Maybe part of what the compensation was is they knew they could get that extension, whereas Domi only has a two-year extension. So I like it a little more for Columbus, but Mm -hmm. I think it could work out for Montreal, and I don't think it was as bad maybe as people originally were portraying it when you think of it like that. So with trades like this, does it, which I guess it's a little different because it's so close to um, playoffs ending, but the fact that uh, Anderson was, blue, yeah, Blue Jackets were in the playoffs. My but he brain. couldn't play. He didn't okay. play. And that is because of he's been so hurt. Okay. So it, like that doesn't play a factor into the shock since he didn't play, but like had he played, if he played in the playoffs, do you think this trade would have happened, I guess? Yeah, I think maybe not. I, I think some of it has to do with what teams viewed their value as. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you'll get these where it's like the team lets the other team negotiate with. And so they work out a contract. So how the trade looks is you're trading the RFA rights to Josh Anderson for the RFA rights to Max Domi and the third. But if they had already worked out the contract such that you're essentially getting seven years of Josh Anderson at five and a half and two years of Max Domi at 5.3, it does make sense that for a longer term, and even though Domi's better, he's not that much better, that you would Mm -hmm. have to throw in something for that much longer term. So it kind of makes sense in that regard, but it's hard to know without knowing what happened behind the scenes. Another one that I thought was interesting (laughs) Okay, first of all, I just have to get this out of there. Sam Bowman, the GM for Chicago, is an idiot. He, like, I don't know what he's been doing the past few years. So, Artemi Panarin, heart finalist, absolutely amazing player, has, like, an over $10 million contract with the Rangers right now. He signed as a free agent from Russia with the Blackhawks. And was on a two-year deal, or had two, like two more years, basically, in an off-season right after the Blackhawks got swept by Nashville. They overreacted to getting swept by Nashville, and so they traded Artemi Panarin. There were other pieces involved, but the basic idea was for Brandon Sod. Four years of cap certainty with Brandon Sod. That was their whole thing. Is we like 
yeah, you have two years of $6 million Artemi Panarin, but then you're going to have to pay him a ton more and we want cap certainty. So we're trading Brandon Saad. And now they trade Brandon Saad and Dennis Gilbert, who's just kind of a meh, like replacement level player for Nikita Zadorov, who's okay, but like Brandon Saad is way better. And I guess they also Anton Lindholm. I don't even know who that is. And Chicago is also retaining. I don't know what they're doing. So you basically, when you when you when it's all said and done, you traded her Temi Panarin for Nikita Zadorov. Like what? Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Like I don't I don't understand what he's doing at all. And then apparently neither does the team. Like I saw, I didn't read the article, but Jonathan Tays. Or is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Taze, Jonathan Taze. He seemed pretty upset about the trade. Yeah, he was basically saying, so the, the basic core that won three cups with uh, Chicago that's still there is Taze, Kane, Keith, and um, Seabrook. Seabrook is way washed. He's not worth his contract. The other three are probably worth something around their contract. Um, but all of them are like the leadership group of this team and none of them have any idea what they're the, they're doing it seems like they're rebuilding but then other signings they make they're not rebuilding it i don't get it i mean on the one hand i'm glad because i really didn't get what my gm was doing but i understand it more than this so it, it could be worse i guess is, is what i'm saying for my opinion so with that um a couple other things. Tyson Berry, one year, three point seven five. It's a similar thing to um, Taylor Hall, and I think Tyson Berry's was even shrewder because he had, I think, a six million dollar offer, like one year, six million dollars. But he took the Oilers one because the Oilers need a power play one quarterback, which is where Tyson Berry sh- really shined in Colorado and where he really got like up to stock and where his stock kind of crashed because he wasn't playing that for Toronto so mm-hmm. he's like if I take less now play on PP1 with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl I'm going to get a ton of points and that's going to help build back up that value yeah. so I think this is a really really smart really solid bet on himself so I like that the lightning everyone knew like immediately after they won it was like and they have cap troubles for next year because they have <laughs> to sign Sorelli who's a really great defenseman and a couple other free agents and it's just not a lot of space so Tyler Johnson was placed on waivers when they couldn't he has a no trade clause and so he but he gave them a bunch of teams that he was okay being traded to because he understands gotcha. like, something's going to happen but they couldn't yeah. find it so they placed him on waivers he cleared waivers Probably just because um, no team had the cap space at that time. A lot of players clear, like the Penguins got a goalie through waivers last year, Casey DeSmith, who's probably going to be their backup this year, that if they had tried to put him through waivers through the season, a team would have taken him. But because it was early in the season and every team, it was like pretty season, every team was trying to do a bunch of stuff. No one f- knew for sure that they had the space. So you can sometimes get people through waivers that you wouldn't be able to get through in the regular season. I'm interested. I still think he's probably going to get traded. I just don't know where cap space is kind of closing up and we still have Mike Hoffman. Everyone thought, and I would expect to hear something about him pretty soon because Mm -hmm. every like no one, no team wanted to pay Mike Hoffman money because then that would take them out of Taylor Hall 
and they want to see who Taylor Hall goes to and then like basically Mike Hoffman was the backup because he's a winger too but I I definitely think some team's going to pay him some money soon so that should happen soon anything else you would like to say about hockey or did I do a good rundown (laughs) that was a really good rundown I feel like (laughs) you did that way quicker than I ever could have with the amount of names and teams you went through I'm just Um, lucky I follow Twitter on this so much (laughs) so I can like give my thoughts um (laughs) One quick thing not related to signings this week. They also gave a full list of Dallas Stars injuries. And I expected like maybe five players to be on the list. Apparently it was the whole team was just glued together. Um, They were all broken. Luckily of all the injuries, it sounds like the only player that wouldn't be ready should the season start when it's post or talked about starting January 1st would be Tyler Sagan because he has to have hip surgery um but based on that list it kind of felt like are we going to have a team by January because everyone was injured like Jamie had a shoulder injury but that was even like back in March or something Como had a separated shoulder Dickinson ankle and foot injuries Braddock Foxa had a broken wrist Rope Hintz had a fractured ankle and an injured hip and then um, there were even like guys that I didn't even think were injured. Like Miro Haskinen got an injured hip versus Vegas. Klingberg got hurt during the round robin. And then Hugh Dobin had, uh, he had surgery on his arm. I think like the day before he signed with Dallas again, um, like, cause he had a nerve issue and numbness in his hands, which it, after learning that, I'm like, how did he even play? in those games if he couldn't he, like he couldn't feel his hand if it's numb like how how do you how do you goalie when you can't feel your hand um, that's insane it is the one thing I, I do want to uh point out um is another trade that happened that I forgot that wasn't on our list yeah today um, the Islanders, and some of it w- they thought was for cap reasons, oh, right. traded not Jonathan Taves, Devin Taves, spelled the same but different, different person, a defenseman, uh, for a second and a third, or no, two seconds. But still, this guy is a really good defenseman. Yeah. And for two seconds, like Colorado. That's so, they already have such a stacked defense and they got better. How yeah. is that even possible? And then I, I so I'm going to sum up my feelings on this trade with um, Steve's tweet, because I think it covers it. Steve saying me a few years ago is in him. What is Joe Sackett doing? Fire him. Me now. If Joe Sackett calls, pretend you're a piece of police. And he's kind of become one of those GMs that it's like, just don't trade with him. You aren't going to win because... <laughs> Chicago very did not win the Brandon Saad trade and um, New York very did not win the Devin Tays trade. And the thing is, it could come back and both of those like don't look as good as they look now. But you have to look at how a GM trades with the information that they have. There's a lot of GMs that make trades that are stupid at the moment they are made. Like people at the time say that they're stupid. Joe Sackick makes trades that you say that's genius so whether or not it's an ends up being an amazing trade the fact that he utilizes the available information so well 
does have a value in the current NHL. It seems like a simple thing to say, but that's something that I, I heard a point made in baseball too. Cause like um, the Mets, they traded like their number one, like super amazing prospect, Jared Klenick to Seattle for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. And Robinson Cano is massively overpaid and Edwin Diaz has been fine, but they're like, this is an amazing, like people are saying he's going to, he could be like a superstar in the MLB. Now, if he doesn't end up being that, that's like, that it just is what it is. But the fact that that is what he's projected at, that has a value and it's more than what you got back. And so that's where it is. Like you have to, you have to look at the information that was known at the time with the information that we know that these trades are very good. So Colorado still in the mix. Um, With that, do we want to transition over to the MLB? Yes. Um, Before we get into postseason, there are some newsy type things. The first one is the most recent one. And also the most wild one, because like the notification came through and it was literally like um, Padres Tommy Pham is in good condition after being stabbed. And it was like, wait, what? Because no one knew he had been stabbed and no one knew when this happened or that he even had surgery. Literally like the MLB or ESPN notifications was just that. And so everyone was like, wait, what do you mean stabbed? When did this happen? Um According to the San Diego Union Tribune, on Sunday night, he was stabbed in his lower back um, outside a strip club. There was apparently, uh, he was leaving the club and there was like an altercation between two other people near his car. Um, And apparently he was like, ask I don't know okay all it says was fam was attacked after asking the people involved in the argument who he did not know to get away from his car so here's okay so uh, just a quick point I want to make because I hear this a lot yeah a guy was stabbed like okay like it's I hate when people have to like start saying well but he was at a strip club or well it's coronavirus it's like there's a time and a place to talk about someone not following coronavirus protocols and after they get stabbed like I don't think a single person is arguing that if you don't follow quarantine you should be stabbed so like that that doesn't carry any weight it doesn't really change at all the fact that it's super messed up that he got stabbed and I just hate when people do that so I just had to get get out in front of that like whatever you think of that Maybe don't talk about that right now because yeah, it's so annoying. I think if he hadn't been stabbed, it would be an interesting conversation about the fact that he was at a strip club during a pandemic. But the fact that he was stabbed, like, doesn't really matter. But then, okay, here here's an issue I have with the article because to me, a stab means, like, the knife went in and out. Mm-hmm. In the article, it says, please describe the injury as a slash wound. So a slash wound wouldn't be a stabbing. It would be a slashing, right? Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's why, okay, in Omaha, we, I, there's a account that tweets the, like, goings on on the police sc- scanner. They describe anything with, like, knives as a cutting. And it, it kind of works. Yeah. Like, everything falls under that. Yeah, because then, okay, so I'm reading it. 
And like at the top, it says he underwent surgery for a stab wound in his lower back. He's fine. And then like three paragraphs down, it says, please described it as a slash wound, not life-threatening, no organs damage, and received stitches to close that. It, okay, the wound pierced all three layers of his skin. That sounds like a stabbing. Yeah. So was it like a combination of a slash and a stab? Yeah. I I don't know. Either way, I feel like being stabbed in the lower back, like he's lucky it wasn't anything life threatening. Yeah. So that glad, glad he's in good condition though. Yeah. So that was, that was a heck of a notification to get randomly. Um, And other not so like crazy news apparently there was a a thing about how the uh mlb would do its draft after having such a short season i had not known that this was like a thing a conversation being had um i guess there was talks of maybe doing a lottery draft um but mlb decided they were just going to do like normal reverse order so the team with the worst record gets first pick that was pirates my Rangers get uh, number two pick, and that's actually their highest pick in my lifetime. Um, they haven't had that high of a pick since they drafted number two in 1974. That's interesting. Um, then Tigers, Red Sox, Orioles to round out top five. I don't really think, and I'm sure a lot of people might disagree, but I don't really think draft order matters much in baseball because well and how many rounds are there like 800 million <laughs> yeah. I, I was actually gonna at make least this, like 40 and that's actually, not an exaggeration i was gonna make this point that mlb draft wise is most well positioned for coronavirus because the nhl draft was legitimately awkward like the the it was so long yeah. and the 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 videos they were showing inside people it was so weird yeah and the MLB draft is the best position because it never really got any kind of media coverage anyways. Yeah. So it's perfect for coronavirus. Can I say the MLB draft every year, I like almost have secondhand embarrassment for them because like, I didn't really pay that close attention to NHL draft this year or any other years, but like comparatively MLB looks like a joke because they literally have their draft inside the MLB network studio and they'll have like four potential picks there. And then everyone else is either on video or you don't see them because the draft has to happen so fast because of the bajillion rounds. Um, which actually, I think this past draft was supposed to be different, but because of Corona, they couldn't. For some reason, I'm thinking it was supposed to be at where they have the College World Series. Oh, Omaha? Yeah, I think it was supposed to be there. I don't know. Don't quote me on it. Um, But yeah, again, and I'm happy the Rangers get to pick number two spot. But at the same time, baseball draft isn't like being in a higher spot doesn't really make as much of a difference as it does in other drafts because literally anything could happen. You have no idea how these guys are going to play because – I mean, college baseball is so much different than Major League Baseball that. And the development cycle of a baseball player is so much different than football, basketball, and hockey. Exactly. Um, And then last piece of news, the White Sox fired their manager kind of quietly. And 
I think unexpectedly. And then one of the first things I saw was the White Sox might um, hire Cora, who the Red Sox might hire um, and Detroit might hire. So I kind of feel like Alex Cora is going to end up with one of the Sox. And then I can see like AJ Hinch with like Detroit or like a, a team no one's really paying attention to. So it's kind of under the radar. Either way, I think it's dumb. Technically, their suspensions end when the World Series ends. This it kind of reminds me though of like something they say in corporate America at a lot of companies you have to do, where if you want to make more money, you leave for like a year, and then you come back to your same company and they'll offer you a ton more money. It just kind of feels like Cora is gonna get a payday, and it's like, well, how's that a punishment? Yeah, yeah. Um. Because technically, I don't even feel like I saw a couple people are like, well, why would the Red Sox bring Cora back if they fired him? Like they fired him for a reason. But it's also like they kind of fired him just to save face. Like they fired him because they felt like they had to. They didn't do it because they were mad that he cheated when he was with uh, the Astros. Because technically, remember, he did not cheat with Boston. That was the replay review guy. Um, so, I mean, he's going to come back. AJ Hinch is going to come back. Um Oh, the reason why it was considered, everyone was like, oh, well, Hinch or Cora is going to be with the White Sox now is because the White Sox GM, I believe, um, said something like, we're looking for a guy who has like championship winning experience from the last few years. That's AJ Hinch and Alex Cora as far as managers who are available looking for a new job. So there's that. Um one quick thing before going on to uh, recapping ALDS, NLDS, and then predictions. Um, I have a question or a discussion, I guess. Um, I was I don't remember which game it was. It was one of the DS series. Uh, one of the broadcasters uh, mentioned, I think it might have been Tampa Bay series, that there's, there's a new rule where pitchers have to face a minimum of three batters before they can be replaced by a different pitcher. And one of the broadcasters said they didn't like that rule because it takes the strategy out of the manager's hands. I disagree because I kind of feel like that makes the managers work harder for a strategy because they have to face three batters. And obviously when they bring someone in, their thought process is three, three batters, three outs done. But like, you're not guaranteed that's gonna happen. So you have to think further ahead than those three batters also I feel like you can't really be mad about that rule if you're wanting to speed up the game because that was the whole point of the rule was to speed up the game and if the batter can only face one if the pitcher can only face one batter then you'd have a constant influx of pitchers and it would be annoying and no one would want to watch this is probably the one rule I actually agree with as far as speeding up the game the thing, okay, a couple of thoughts. If we're saying that no new rule can uh, take the, like, like remove some strategy from the managers, then get rid of the DH because there's a lot of strategy yep. involved if the pitcher is hitting because then yep. the pitcher comes up in a later inning and if they're really throwing well, but there's a close game and there's runners on, you have to decide, do I pinch hit for the pitcher and take him out even though he's doing really well or do I let him pick? pitch but then he has to hit and probably will get out that's a lot of strategy that yeah you and the double made. replacements too that yeah you get in the nl 
double switch and all of that stuff. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. The other thing too, I will say is while it may be taking some strategy out of the manager's hands, it does put a lot on the general manager because who they have in the bullpen, because they have to p- face three batters of a time and you can't bail them out if they get in trouble as quickly. It, it makes their decisions more consequential. And so yeah. do we really care that much? Like, okay, who watches baseball for the managers? Like, I'm, I know we're not interacting with the audience live, <laughs> but if we were, no one would raise their hand because right. no one wants. So it's like, does it make the game better? I think it does. So yeah. who cares about how we're impacting the strategy? Because then in that case, yeah. like all of the shift and all of that stuff that was all numbers nerds figured that out, that makes it easier strategy for the managers. We're just going to get rid of everything and let managers randomly pick stuff. I don't like that. Yeah. And again, like I, I always, I particularly like this role because I remember one time the Rangers were uh, faced Seattle and legitimately it was the ninth inning and the Seattle manager had a new pitcher for every batter and it drove me insane. Uh, so that's like the one new rule that I like totally agree with and love. Um, but I just thought it was an interesting comment that like burned in my brain. Uh, we'll go through this real quickly. By the way, we're recording after the ALCS game two. So the Rays already have a 2-0 lead. Right now, the Dodgers and Braves are playing as we record, and the Braves are still up one nothing from last I saw. Um, so ALDS, the Rays, and the Yankees went five games. I cannot remember if I that was part of my guess. Um, the Rays were the only team I got right. I know that. Um, thank God I thought I was going to get swept. Um, the main part of that game five was Mike Brasso's Homer versus Chapman, which Twitter went insane about. And I was like, what am I missing? Why does everybody remember? Like, why is this such a big deal? Because everyone's like karma and how poetic and blah, blah. And I was like, what are y'all talking about? Well, earlier in the season, Chapman threw at Brasso's head. I, I can't say personally if I think it's uh, was intentional or not. Chapman throws 100, and that's dangerous because usually if you're throwing that hard and that fast, you don't always have the command. So it's hard for me to be like, yeah, he did that intentionally, but it's still dangerous. Um, so obviously, Brasso took that personally. He ended up striking out to end that game, so coming back to postseason and then hitting a home run off of Chapman to get the raise far ahead was poetic justice also anyone hitting home runs against Chapman is just great um Houston beat the A's in four I I've given up on the A's and trusting them in postseason they always just flail they just the it's almost like the Dodgers to me where I put all my trust into the Dodgers. And I'm like, oh, they're going to go so far. And then the Dodgers will go far and then they'll just fall out. But the A's do it much sooner. I'm just never going to pick Houston though. So I will say part of me want, because we knew Houston first before we knew because the Rays, Yankees went yeah. five. I hate the Yankees. I think most people who don't root for the Yankees don't like the Yankees. Part of me kind of wanted them to win because it kind of would have been a little bit of like cool justice if the Yankees then took out the Astros. (laughs) But given the current status of the series, I am really okay with the fact that they're right. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, because there, there was part of me, I'm with you, I kind of wanted to see Yankees Houston just to have, like, Yankees get their redemption, but at the same time, I did not want to see the Yankees in the World Series. Um, however, the Rays had a really epic celebration when they beat the Yankees. Um, there were a lot of, like, celebration videos, one of which they had dance battles, and literally the next day, their manager had to be like, yeah, they're okay, because the beat writers apparently were like concerned that someone like pulled a hamstring or something because they were having like a serious dance battle um they also I don't and I don't remember who the player was but one of the Rays players was smoking a cigar in the dugout when they were celebrating listening to uh New York by Alicia Keys and then stomping on a trash can so he was uh um kind of poking fun at both the Yankees and their future opponent, the Astros. Uh, in the NLDS, both were sweeps. The Braves swept, swept the Marlins and the Dodgers swept the Padres. Uh, so now going into um, the NLCS best of seven, the Dodgers are playing the Braves at the Rangers ballpark with fans. So right now there are fans at the game um 11,500 fans um is how many is the capacity for NLCS they they don't know what they're going to do for the World Series if it's going to be the same if it's going to be more because technically by the time the World Series starts they could have more because of mandates whatever which is dumb because also in Arlington and in Texas everything's spiking so it's dumb um but from what I've seen luckily everyone is wearing masks unless of course they're eating but when the cameras panned to everyone they were all wearing masks so that's great um they sold out games one four five and six which I feel like is a weird combination of numbers since it's a best of seven of the NLCS and then all of the games in the World Series were sold out which again I don't really know what they mean by sold out for the World Series since they don't know how many seats are going to be available I'm assuming that's 11,500 that they sold out for World Series. And then if they can have more, they'll probably try. Um, So the interesting thing I also saw is they are, and I I think it was the Unathletic article that pointed out. um, So fans have to wear masks unless they're eating or drinking, obviously. Um, But they were only selling tickets. From what I read, it looked different when they showed in the stands um, in pods of like four people. Maybe it was six. I swear I read four, um, but only to, like people within a household. So you couldn't be like a pod of four and like you and then three other friends that live all separately. However, I don't know how you would, how they're asking for proof of that. Like, There's no way they're ID checking. <laughs> yeah. And, and if it was the athletic article that I read, they were like, do you have to bring a bill and like prove that you live <laughs> in the same household? Um, but it, and Again, if they said pods of four, I swear it was more than that. They could all be a family. I don't know. Um, but I, I'm interested to see, since tonight's the first game of the NLCS, I'm interesting to, interested to see any of the articles about having fans there and how well it worked, and especially in the concourse areas as far as, like, having to go to the bathroom and lines for that and how that worked. Um I know they were also doing, you could do contactless food ordering, which I know they were also doing at like all the other stadiums that have fans. 
and I know they were doing like ticketless. Everything was digital. I think they were doing all cashless uh, things there. So that's interesting. It is concerning though. Like it's kind of cool to see fans at the new ballpark watching baseball because this is the first time at the new ballpark anyone's watching baseball. But it's also, there's a part of me that's like, oh, this is going to be bad just because of it's spiking here and kind of everywhere around the country again. So, yeah. And it's just, it's like, what's the point of a bubble then? Oh, that was the other thing. There was, and I retweeted it. it wanted, um, I think it was a Cardinals player. He was like, sure, a bubble with fans. That's not a bubble. And like... Yeah, I, I agree. Like, that's not that's not how bubble works. MLB continues to not know what a bubble is. Um, but Dodgers, Braves, I still went with Braves, even though the consensus for, like, record says Dodgers. Uh, the athletic prediction for from the scout player coach all said Dodgers. I think I uh, that's my pick, Dodgers. I really want. I'm, I'm. I think the Rays are a good pick at this point, <laughs> and I'm really hoping that I really need the Rays to come through for me here. So yeah, those are my I, two picks. I also picked the Rays because who's gonna pick Houston? And the fact that they're up 2-0 already is very supportive of our picks. Uh, they're our, our honorary rave of the week. <laughs> we both love the Rays. Right <laughs> yeah. Um, although I did think they were going to give it up in the ninth inning of the second game today because Astros loaded bases twice and it really freaked me out. That was because the, I guess it's not their closer, but the Rays pitcher came in and gave up three singles. And I was like, okay, you can pull him now because he's faced three batters and they left him in and there was a double play. Astros scored one. I was like, okay, good. Double play. Then he walked two players, and they still didn't pull him. And I was like, y'all are just testing this, and I don't think you should be testing the Astros like this. Luckily, it worked out. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're more of a bubble than the Astros or the Braves-Dodgers are a bubble. I have, my rant is kind of about that. Um, but I feel like Rays and Dodgers would be a fun World Series like Rays and Braves would be a fun World Series. Anyone but the Astros. Yeah, as long as the Astros lose, whoever of the Rays uh, or Braves and Dodgers win, that's fine with me. Yeah, I kind of have like no real like I don't care Dodgers or Braves. Like I have no real big feelings about either team. I mostly just pick the Braves because I'm tired of seeing the Dodgers lose the World Series. And the thing that you can say about both teams is it's not like fluky. They both have a lot of talent. So yeah. that's a, a good thing. Yeah. Whereas like Houston is fluky, especially because in any other season, they wouldn't even be in the postseason. Or like uh, Miami would be super fluky if Miami yeah. had beaten the Braves. You're like, that would be a real fluke. Yeah. I did see someone tweeted and they were like, I, I guess I could go find it and read it. But um it kind of sucks that the Astros were basically like given a, pe- a lane here. I found the, found the tweet. 
uh, John Taylor said, Rob Manfred expanding the playoffs and creating a lane for the despised cheating team to win the pennant pretty well sums up his commissionership thus far, which wholeheartedly agree because like we've all been saying, the Astros were not punished enough, really weren't punished at all. And then the fact that they can make it all the way to their fourth straight ALCS with a losing record in a season that if it was a regular 162 games, they would not have made it to the postseason. Truly sucks. So I, I really hate the whole like, oh, this, is, this isn't legitimate, blah, blah, blah. Like people were doing that with the Stanley Cup. And I'm like, whoever wins, it's a Stanley Cup. Like, yeah. come on. And they played most of their season too. Yeah. Um, I kind of always felt like baseball, this was like a weird season. Like no matter yeah. who won, if the Dodgers or if the Astros win, it is legitimately fraudulent. Like, yes, we can, no one is going to acknowledge that. The record books can acknowledge whatever they want. I refuse to acknowledge it. Exactly. And I and I can already hear Astro fans like if they win, like, no, it counts. And I'd be like, no, it counts for any other team who had a winning record and would have been in playoffs in any other season. They got legit lucky. Not even lucky. It's not luck. It was like handed to them basically. Like, here, you can be in the postseason. Um just some breaking news right now, because Twitter is yes. a great place. Uh so Vegas is doing a press conference for the Petrangelo thing and they announced Interesting. That- Robin Leonard uh, is going to have to go uh, undergo some shoulder surgery that they described as cleanup surgery. Um, they don't think it's going to be a super long timetable, but because of the fast turnaround to the next season, we don't know exactly when that would be. It's possible or likely he would miss some games. So I would be suspect that Vegas would trade Flurry at this point, which everyone thought they might do. Yeah, They have the cap space now that they've traded Schmidt. I I don't know that they would trade Flurry, and if they were trading Flurry, they would have to have a really capable backup, either in the return or sign. So, well, that answered one of the questions I originally had that I thought of earlier this week, which was if Vegas trades Flurry, do they have to rename their team dog, who is named Bark Andre Flurry? Well, I guess they don't have to worry about that. At least a little while. Um, <laughs> So with that, do you want to do rants and raves now? Yes. Do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, I'll go since my rant is kind of continuation of MLB stuff. And that's them calling it a bubble. We talked about this when we first started the podcast and MLB decided they were going to do East, West, Central and have their own form of a bubble, which isn't really a bubble, but they kind of thought of it as a bubble. And then today... In the Astros and Rays game, I kept hearing about the bubble, the MLB bubble, because particularly when they were showing like some of the Rays pitchers um, in the stands, they had assigned seating essentially throughout the stands to be very socially distant. And they kept saying the bubble. I'm like, you can't call it a bubble because first of all, they didn't quarantine before they went to that stadium. So while yes, there's only those two teams there, before that, you don't know where any of the players, like wh- what they were doing. So it's not a bubble in that sense. It's also not a bubble in the sense of like in Texas, there are fans there. Like, I feel like they, they saw the NHL and were like, yeah, we can do that. But let's make it like 
the most like the bare minimum of bubbles and that's what they're doing i think they they capitalized because the nba and the nhl use the word bubble they're like yeah. oh people respond well to bubble because they they built up the nba and the nhl built up the reputation of bubbles so we'll just use the word yes they like the word they just don't know what it means mm-hmm. because also like the you can only consider the Rays and the Astros as a bubble because at least it's just the two teams at the field. Once it comes to the World Series, it's definitely not a bubble anymore. It's not really a bubble for the NLCS either because also the NHL had some media, but they had to quarantine, right? Yeah, the anyone coming in had to quarantine. So, see, that's the other thing. They no, no one had to quarantine for this quote-unquote bubble. So, therefore, it's not a bubble. Yeah. It's, it's just, they're just using the name for some good it's publicity. Not, yeah, it's not a bubble. It's not a hub. It's just baseball as, ba- as normal baseball in a baseball pandemic. Baseball in one location instead <laughs> of travel. Yeah. It, it might as well be just like the College World Series at a... a What's it called? Why can't I can never think of this word? A neutral site. Yeah. Other than that, it's nothing. Um, so I have a, my, my rant is concerned. So basically how the NHL free agency has worked for a while now is for some reason, all of the riders get the scoop mostly at the same time. There's very rarely something that one rider breaks and it'll be these things and teams have individuals like they definitely don't do a lot to clamp down the leaks because they're always coming out and it really is tough especially with this Alex Petrangelo one because it came out on Saturday that he was traveling to Vegas and then it came out like oh they're gonna have to make some trades to like make room well then last night it's like oh they're gonna have to trade Nate Schmidt to Florida well he hasn't been traded yet and so his teammates who all love him he's a really loved figure or like is he going to Florida like what the heck's happening and all of that is fanned by the fact that all of these rumors got out if those rumors never get out the player have no idea until it happens so it's all of this and it's just stupid like to me you shouldn't be releasing something unless you have like signed a contract through like through why what's the point of leaking something to the media like I don't get it and it just it's frustrating for me because I can see how tough it is on the players and their families. And it's not, there's no purpose to it because obviously these are millionaires. So if there was some kind of strategic purpose to it, fine, but there's no purpose to it. And this isn't a rant against a journalist because they have to report what they're told. This is a rant against clearly people like it's well-organized in teams high up giving these leaks. So that was my rant for the week. Do you want to do your rave? Uh, yes, because I thought of my rave, like, mid-episode. Because at first I couldn't think of a rave, and it was just going to be a rave that I know I had said, like, a few episodes ago. So, instead, it's a baseball rave, which I feel like I haven't had a baseball rave since we've done this podcast, because baseball has just been awful. Um, but in the Rays-Astros game, I don't know why I keep forgetting what the two teams are. The Rays-Astros game, very early in the game, I think it was like second inning, one of the Rays, I think it's because they play in the Padres ballpark, I want to call it the Padres, like I think they're playing, but they're not, so one of the Rays outfielders, Manny Margot, 
made an amazing catch in right field (laughs) and he went over I want to say railing it was more of a wall it was kind of a high wall and it was one of those like oh my gosh this is going to be a spectacular play if he catches it but also as he was going over and you just saw him like feet go above the head it was kind of like oh that's a long drop like it wasn't it wasn't like a huge like falling from the top of a stands to the but it was more than just like being able to catch yourself over it I thought he was going to be hurt honestly because I was like can he get his hand his because his glove hand went first so if he caught the ball I'm like is he going to be able to like hold himself and catch himself as he holds on to the ball he did it was a fabulous catch I don't think he was injured I think he stayed in the game um but if you haven't seen it you have to go see the video or even just the pictures because the pictures are hilarious because you just see him reach for it and then suddenly you're seeing his feet. Um, but a spectacular catch. It would be spectacular if it was just like regular season, but the fact that it's postseason made it that much sweeter and that it was against uh, the Astros. It was the final out of the inning, which makes it even more amazing. Um, overall, just a really fun catch and Honestly, I'm having fun watching the Rays. I didn't really know. I didn't pay attention to Tampa for the season because they're in the East and I watch a lot of East Coast games. Um, But they're a fun team to watch, except in the ninth inning where their pitchers make me a little nervous. So my Rays has zilch to do with um, (laughs) uh, sports, but I can't help it. I love it. So story time, uh, I always thought, get powder done on my nails and my I live in Iowa but I'm close to Omaha and Iowa nail salons opened after Omaha ones and my nails were really in rough shape so I was like I'm just gonna find someplace and go in Omaha and I ended up finding my gal Jeannie and uh she does like I later found out I went to her a couple times and she's like we can do designs and stuff like that and she is like legit an artist it is so amazing and she like my favorite nails I've ever had done this week for Halloween she hand drew on a spider web um this like haunted house uh spider itself and then my favorite one there's a pumpkin but it has shading how do you do shading on a nail (laughs) I don't even know but it's on my Instagram if you want to see it it's Japanese underscore underscore ginger um it is so shout out to Jeannie for just it it makes me feel happy whenever I look at them I love when you show me your nails they're amazing so yeah true artistry right there so yeah so and and also I think it's a great thing of like support local and all of that kind of stuff and she's she's gonna go to hair school so definitely like supporting Jeannie and she does amazing work so with that uh, I guess we'll see you all next week have a good week everyone bye guys